Over. Smith comes out to the neutral zone. Deals right. Marshall still fires. He scores! Live from the Finley Chevrolet Fox Sports Las Vegas Studios and live at LVSportsNetwork.com. Smith to Marshall. Four to two Golden Knights. This is the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show. Your destination for inside access with the team, exclusive player interviews, and breaking news from around the National Hockey League. Here are your hosts, Darren Millard and Ryan Wallace. And welcome in to the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show, Fox Sports Las Vegas. Wallace out on the homestead, Millard out at the estate. Chapman back inside the Finley Chevrolet Fox Sports Las Vegas Studios. Finley Chevrolet on the 215, home of the... How's everybody doing after trade deadline day? I, I sometimes feel like the post-trade deadline is more difficult than getting through deadline day for both <laughs> media and, and it is like there's some long hours put in in the days leading up to for the uh, the insiders and different people covering the, the national side of it but but also the players deadline day playing on on a night like last night is always very unpredictable. And I mentioned it yesterday. Like, what do you really Mm -hmm. see going into uh, an opportunity where you have teams that are selling against teams that are are favorites? And both clubs in, in a situation like that are distracted. And they're probably looking at their phones a lot. And they're probably checking out uh, what's going on on social media because of uh, the, the trade rumors. And nobody really prepares like you normally would. And that's why you see unpredictable results. And, and last night, uh, Vegas was down 2 nothing uh, against the LA Kings. You had a couple of upsets uh, in, in the five games last night. And uh, now we can, we can take a deep breath now. Do you, do you, does it take a couple of days, or do you get right back on it? I think last night's win by the Golden Knights because of everything that goes into trade deadline and the the drama was huge. To be able to pull out two points the way they did was massive, uh, given the circumstances. For me, it's it's you look at that type of game, and and you know we talked about it a little bit on the post game show, Darren, where you know you kind of expect three and four nights. You're on the second half of a back to back with travel. You're looking at just kind of grinding out a two one win. But what the game called for was the Golden Knights stars, the Max Pacioretty's, the Mark Stones, the Alex Tucks to really kind of just throw their talent out there and shine and come through in big moments. And and that's exactly what the Golden Knights were able to do. And it's a team that, as we've stated all season long, they've figured out how to find ways to win. And, and last night was no different. That was a team just kind of assessing what the game was and doing exactly what they needed to do to find a win. Sounds, sounds right, but so hard to do. So really difficult to uh, to translate and, and put it into into terms of, of, of winning a hockey game. Uh, I'll be honest. I expect if there was ever a night in this season where I thought, geez, they could be ripe for just one of those soft games and yeah. it gets away from you. And, and, and almost everybody's had one of those games. Uh, Vegas had, had one earlier uh, maybe, what, two weeks ago? where it was uh, game 35, 30 uh, of, of the NHL season. I thought, boy, they, they went a long way into it. But but last night, given the distractions and the three and four nights and the travel and playing on consecutive days, 
Uh, I wouldn't have been surprised and and I wouldn't have been overly critical uh, of that result. But it also, when you look at the performance and the the outcome of the game, uh, I have to give even more uh, appreciation and more of a tip of the cap to the way they they played. Uh, it wasn't the greatest first period, and uh, I was uh, that that kind of worried me a little bit given how uh, how the LA Kings were able to really skate it was it wasn't a bad first period entertainment wise 12 shots each and they went up and down the ice both teams and it was fun but it was a little too loose uh, compared to what we saw certainly on on Sunday by by the Golden Knights and then the second period was was keep away they just they took the puck the the one opportunity that uh, that the LA Kings had was a beautiful pass by Dustin Brown and they converted on it but other than that there wasn't wasn't many looks I I, I thought it was uh, the second and third periods was uh, was really outstanding and the way they skated on the, the like they're getting momentum uh, from their penalty kill now and it, yeah. it it's what been a week. Uh, now, since they've been, and I don't think they've changed anything, uh, but uh, their their penalty kill pressure and generating chances has been uh, not fifty fifty certainly, but they're getting a lot of looks on on the penalty kill compared to earlier in the season. We've talked about you know just how good they've been historically right on yeah. the penalty kill and and how when you have those moments those moments within a game where your special teams can bail you out and it doesn't always have to be a power play goal sometimes it can be an incredibly strong penalty kill you know the golden knights they get a shorthanded goal from mark stone but realistically the golden knights could have had what three goals four yeah. goals on the p on the penalty kill last night alone that's how dominant they were and when you can take that away from your opponent and turn that into a strength it, it just makes the game so much harder for the la kings uh, knowing that they they've got to do everything at 5 on 5 because at with with the man advantage they are getting outskated it was like it was like vegas had the power play the, yeah, the, the breakaways in the Chandler. Well, Chandler Stevenson had three breakaways last night. Uh, Alex Tuck had an opportunity coming down the wing that you could kind of round up into a breakaway. Uh, Mark Stone had the break. You had more breakaways last night in that game during regulation time than you do in a shootout. That's that's basically what it amounted <laughs> to. Uh, for but but they were just all all at higher speed. It was it was uh, fascinating to watch, but also really good to watch. And the other part that uh, that I just want to touch on. Uh, I asked our producer, Bryn Greiser, and we never got to it, uh, but uh, but it was in our heads to put a clock. And it, you know, when we do the TV broadcast on the games on the road, we're because we're doing it remotely this year. Everybody's doing it remotely. Uh, mm-hmm. We rely on the LA Kings production, uh, so Fox Sports, uh, whatever it is, uh, Hollywood. <laughs> it's not that, but uh, Fox Sports LA. Uh, and and when uh, the LA Kings are in Vegas, they reply, rely on the uh, the production crew of AT and T Sportsnet. So uh, sure. the, the 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 truck is working for both both teams, and and sometimes you you just can't get the little little things that that you normally would if you had a if you had a production truck all to yourself. But I wanted to put a clock on Chandler Stevenson on that first breakaway. Because he was <laughs> gone, and the the highest speed I've seen this year on one of those uh, speed traps uh, that we put on the players has been twenty two miles per hour. I, okay. if, if he wasn't twenty three and or twenty three and a half, I, I would be shocked uh, how fast he was. So then you take that and you you put it to Mark Stone on a breakaway, who's mm-hmm. a different type of fast, but was still able to outdistance that chaser who's a forward 
mm-hmm. uh, the young kid uh, uh, for the LA Kings, and, and, and was still able to pull away on the penalty kill. And, and I, the, the, the move was great. That that Mark Stone pulled off, and the long stick was uh, unbelievable uh, at being able to to keep the puck away. I never thought of that area, uh, the that advantage of having the long stick. That if you're on a breakaway, you're really like 14 feet uh, ahead of the of the chaser <laughs> with 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 the stick uh, with puck and on on Mark Stone's stick. But he was able to pull away, and and I hadn't seen that type of. Of jump, especially on the uh, on the back half of two and two, and 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 rounding up uh, a three and four, and that that stuck with me uh, last night throughout throughout the game was just the the be able to turn on the Jets for Mark Stone and then the finish. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that just that separation that that Mark Stone was able to get from uh, I think it was Gabe Velarde. And it was I Gabe Velarde. How- yeah. I don't know how late in the shift it was for Velarde, but when when Mark but it was Stone, a power play shift, so, so yeah, you could, like you're not you're not working the boards as hard uh, as 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 you normally would, and you got to think if it was late in the shift for Velarde, then it had to be late in the power or the penalty kill shift for Stone. Like and that, and that's I think where where I really kind of sit back and I'm looking at Mark Stone and and we've you know we've talked about certain situations where where Mark Stone maybe doesn't have that that breakaway speed that that Chandler Stevenson has we we know that that's the case but when Mark Stone has an opportunity and he can see that there's a clear cut breakaway in front of him he's got the ability to break away and then to shield the puck use his body positioning to make sure that even if that back checker gets gets back into an advantageous position, he doesn't get the the puck. I, I thought it was a fantastic play by Mark Stone, and it was really that moment that he's been looking for, right? Like the, the one moment where he can come in, pick his spot, and score that goal to break the drought. We have to change the way we think about Mark Stone as a skater, and and I want to I want to make sure that people are aware of how I'm phrasing that. I'm not saying Mark's slow, but compared to Chandler Stevenson, everybody's a notch below but watching him be able to pull away from somebody like uh, like the kid in Velarde uh, from from the L.A. Kings, it just it spoke volumes to me uh, about his skill level and what he can do. And it was another example of of where he's come from and and arrived to as a clutch player. And I, I just I loved also the fact that he was in front of the net for. Max Pacioretty's 300th goal, providing the screen. Like you saw, you saw both sides of it: the the shorthanded uh, ability and the finish, and then uh, doing the grunt work in front of the net uh, on a power play goal to put the game away. I mean, that's that's Mark Stone, right? Like he's so he's so multidimensional. He does so many different things for this team, and and you know we know how good he is offensively. We know how good he is defensively. But you know when you, you talk about your captain going to the front of the net, providing that screen, making sure that that he's doing his part on the power play wherever he's lined up. That's the type of leadership that you look to Mark Stone for. Leadership, yeah. Uh, I don't know whether you saw it, but I had a chance to talk to Max Pacioretty after the game, and uh, it kind of got sideways from where we intended the conversation or I intended the conversation (laughs) to go because it was more about we wanted to talk to him because of his 300th goal and, and sure. I chatted with him the day before and we'd been, we'd been uh, just having a side conversation and started the interview on Sunday and talked about his being a 299 and what, 
what club he would join when he scored his 300th and he goes out on on Sunday and hits three posts and uh and so I and and he and he uh said to me well I'm not there yet and so yesterday I started the conversation by hey you, you told me yesterday that you're not there yet but uh, hey it didn't take you that long and uh, he gave me a jab about jinxing him because of uh the last couple of <laughs> couple of days and and it it showed that like he he's he's got he's in a good spot right yeah. now and that's that's over we weren't beside each other uh he wasn't looking be able to look at me on, on a monitor or anything but uh we no, obviously know of each other and uh and we, we've uh we're familiar with each other but it showed his personality and and where he is at, at a comfort level of his game like he's having a career year he's on pace for 40 goals he's never hit 40 goals in his in his life but i then followed it up with uh being being at home on the left side of, of the power play and his response mm-hmm. was uh, i said you you looks like you've you've you're fitting in on the left side it's like well my dad didn't think so my dad didn't think so. What? And I'm like, what? I mean, he's talking to his dad, but he he really got went down a path about uh, his dad and what it means to be the 21st player to score 300 goals in the National Hockey League as a U.S. born player, and the respect that he has for his his family and uh, and his dad and the work uh, that they put in and and the driving that his dad did. Uh, to to get him to uh, to games during minor hockey, especially one year when it was over an hour uh, each way to to get to the to the place where the where he was playing for for a certain team, and it was a side of Max, and I would never say that Max is was cold. Uh, I, I don't I, not not anywhere close to that, mm-hmm. but it was a very human and humble. Uh, professional athlete that I was talking to last night and appreciative of of his family and he couldn't wait to get back to the dressing room to be able to uh, talk to his dad or text his dad and 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 he said he wished that he could his dad could hear uh what he was saying about his father last night and I think that was so cool he 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 mentioned that he's he's got five kids of his own now and he understands the commitment and uh you and and I don't think any Ryan you would uh, and uh, and Chapman would would certainly agree we we never really understand how difficult it is being a parent until you are a parent and then you're like oh my goodness I got to talk to my parents and apologize uh, uh, about it, but uh, uh, I thought uh, it was a side of Max Pacioretty, and it, it was as much Max letting the world inside his place uh, last night that uh, that I just uh, I, I've never seen before, and I, it was uh, it was fun, enjoyable, and uh, and and a, and very emotional. Yeah, you know, it, we we come to see this often, right, with with hockey players because there's such a time investment in in this sport at a young age, and because there's there's so much that you rely on as a player uh, from your parents that when you when you accomplish something you know that it's not just your accomplishment. It is the accomplishment of you and everyone that has had a hand in getting you to this point. And I think, you know, when you look at Max Pacioretty scoring 300 goals, like that's something that is a a huge milestone. It's a great accomplishment. But, you know, I don't think it's ever lost on a professional athlete and just the the time that I've gotten uh, to, to be around Max, I don't think it's ever lost on him just how much, of his journey is is really paved because of uh, his parents growing up and and you know when you can be around athletes that are really really focused in on that aspect of where they're at professionally and what came to be before that it's refreshing and you're absolutely right Darren like when you're 
when you when you become a parent, you realize in a moment just how much your parents sacrificed for you as a kid, and it's uh, it's a, a really interesting feeling knowing that. Uh, knowing that you you have to to make that phone call and, and apologize for all the all the things that you did that caused their hair to turn gray and all that fun stuff. So, wonder if you went one day we should do like biggest thing you regret as a kid that that you, now you look back and go ah oh, what was I thinking doing the something like that? Uh, Lost is we only have two hours for me so. Yeah, yeah, we'd uh, <laughs> we might have to record it yeah. and just just play it, uh, play it back. Uh, you, Catch you, that uh, one on the podcast. <laughs> you're you're right. The unlimited, uh, it'll just be a constant stream of of Chapmanisms. We, uh, could, we could get my mom on, and she could probably go over. She probably has a mental list of of things that I've done that have caused her to have gray hair. <laughs> I have a I have a mental list. <laughs> and you've only, you've only been doing the show with me for six yeah, months. Yeah, yeah, there's, there's, I. I was talking to somebody the other day, and they were they were they were discussing about uh, Chapman and, and us giving Chapman a hard time. And I said, "Yeah, I will go back to this statement over and yeah. over again when somebody gives me uh, heat for for uh, busting on Chapman. Mm-hmm. I've given Chapman the opportunity. You give me two occasions where I've been hard on him be, when it wasn't deserved, and I'll lay off. But until somebody gives me the two times." That that I was hard on him when it wasn't deserved. It's gonna keep on coming. Well, well, what what's deserved is is really what, what's what's the what's the saying? It it it's really it's, up to it's the, all relative. It's all relative to who's yeah, you, you know. But uh, yeah, I mean, I you do give me a hard time, but you know what? It's it's I, as soon as I walk out the studio, I forget about it. So. Not that you mean to. It's just you. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I, 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 okay. That what? one. That one wasn't really deserved. I take that one back. Uh, Pacioretty. What? What about Pacioretty on the left side? Like we've seen that uh, generate a couple of goals since they've gone to this new alignment. And one was the pass uh, to mm-hmm. to Marcia So, and he quickly got it away. And the other one was the shot last night in which he goes short side. It also had, by the way, in the in the goal last night. Marcheseau skating hard to the net, looking for that same shot, and and Pacioretty could have easily sent it across because that seam was open. But have they have they solved things with with putting Pacioretty on his strong side and and Marcheseau on the other side? What do you think? Yeah, I, I think that 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 we're trending in that direction. Like obviously, we need to see a little bit more in terms of a sample size and and more production, more goals to be scored with this type of formation. But, you know, when, when you look at Pacioretty kind of on that side and, and, and everything kind of going through him, because everyone knows that's on the ice, he has such a wicked release. And he can beat a goalie from anywhere in the offensive zone because his shot is so good, then all of a sudden you've got to respect that maybe a little bit more. You've got to overplay that just a little bit more. And I think that's why it wasn't surprising to me to see that the first goal that they scored with that formation was a cross-seam pass to Jonathan Marcheseau because you respect the shot of Pacioretty and it opens up passing lanes and it opens up opportunities for other players. I'm surprised that he shoots short side as much as he does uh, from from distance, whether he's on his strong side or whether he's on on the right side uh, where he shoots across the axis. Ah, he he can hit that spot. He not a lot of guys like that. Usually you, you kind of go to the to the more open spot, 
and and certainly um, if you're if you're a left-handed shot and you're on your your offside, uh, the angle it's it's a better angle for you. And he goes short side on on both occasions. I loved what what Mark Stone said after the game last night, with uh, about how great of a shot, like hard, fast, uh, accurate uh, of a shot it is. And and sometimes uh, he's scared to be in front of that because it's gonna <laughs> it's gonna hurt if it ever hits him. But uh, yeah. but he quoted Patrick saying, uh, he just tells me to go there and trust trust me, I'm not gonna hit you. And he doesn't hit him. But but it it they that's. That's in players' minds when they go to the front of the net. And you can tell. You can tell a player. It's easy to go to the front of the net yeah. or easier to go to the front of the net. I should uh, catch myself there. <laughs> but to stay in front of the net or be committed in front of the net when somebody's shooting is a whole lot harder. Like when when you're jumping before the shot happens, um, there's some reservation about being there, and it takes yeah. real dedication and commitment and sacrifice uh, to stay in front of that. And that's exactly what what Mark Stone did on that fourth goal, because it was a laser beam uh, to the top corner, but a, a couple of inches uh, over, and that's hitting you. And and guess what? Those guys don't have the same gear that those goalies do. No, I I mean it's it's a it's an exercise in trust 100% and you know when you when you kind of look back at, uh, at at their careers Mark Stone and Max Pacioretty and the battles that they had uh, with Ottawa and Montreal it's it's pretty interesting to see how much that that bond and that relationship and in, in trust has grown now with the Vegas Golden Knights uh, and and you know Mark Stone he was the walk off interview last night for uh, for Dan and Gary on the radio broadcast and Mark Stone simply put it like this Mark Stone is or Max Pacioretty is the best shot that he has ever yeah. played with and amazing and, and you know like we see it right like we see it in practice we see how quickly the puck comes off his stick we just we see how pure of a release it is for Max Pacioretty and you know you don't score 300 goals uh, by accident and, and Max Pacioretty his shot it's all world it, it's first class and and it's it's good to see that you know, a 20-goal season for, for Max Pacioretty just continues to be every bit the player the Golden it's Knights money. expected him to be. Yeah, every it's, year, every year. It's, it's money, and that's why I find it hard to believe that he's never hit 40. He was going to be close last year. He was going to need yeah. a heck of a, a final 10 games, but but it was it was possible uh, if, if he put up a, a couple of big numbers. This year, it's... 20 and 39 for for him uh what yeah. he's played this year and he's he's statistically goals per game having the best year of of his career and I, i've been doing a couple of uh national things uh in in canada the last couple of days because of trade deadline and and mm-hmm. kind of going over everything that that's happened and the question that that i get asked on every single panel or interview is do the Golden Knights have enough down the middle to compete? And mm-hmm. and I just keep going back. And they, they mentioned Chandler Stevenson and, and William Carlson. And Carlson's not an issue for me. I understand the question about Chandler Stevenson. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm not a, at all offended by that question because I would be asking the same question if I didn't watch the, every Golden Knights game as closely as I do. 
and right. and I think it's it's one of those those situations where you have to be in, invested in in either the scouting part of it or or, or hockey to be, to be watching uh, Chandler Stevenson every night because he he doesn't have that pedigree as a National Hockey League frontline center, but uh, the example that I gave everybody the last thirty six hours is when Chandler Stevenson was out of the lineup. Patrick and Stone weren't as good. They they made whoever joined them better than they'd played in Nosek yep. and Wah. Like yep. the, the 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 play of of Nosek and Wah improved, but Patrick and Stone uh, their production wasn't as consistent as it is when before the suspension and after the suspension with Chandler Stevenson. So is is Chandler Stevenson a bona fide number one center in the National Hockey League? No. Is Chandler Stevenson uh, the, the, the best fit for Max Pacioretty and Mark Stone? Absolutely. And mm-hmm. does Max Pacioretty and, and Mark Stone, do they want to play with Chandler Stevenson? And the answer there is yes, and that's, that's huge. It's, it's not just the best option. It, it's, it makes those two players better. And, uh, and you saw that last. Stone scored last night. Pacioretty scored last night. Different situations, but, uh, but mm-hmm. Stone and, and, and Stevenson both play on the, on the penalty kill together. And, and it was Stevenson with all the breakaways. That line was dominant last night. So uh, I don't have a, a, any issue with, with Chandler Stevenson being the number one center for the Vegas Golden Knights, but I understand why there's question marks about it. Yeah, I, I think I think kind of to your point, like when you start to watch Chandler Stevenson and how he plays and how that line is is just so cohesive when it's he and Mark Stone and Max Pacioretty. Uh, if you don't necessarily watch it every day, you you just you kind of look at Chandler Stevenson. You say, is that going to be enough? But when you when you look at the player and you look at the line and how they perform. Chandler Stevenson is the best option for the Golden Knights because there is just something there from a chemistry perspective, from a synergy perspective. Those three guys work off of each other so incredibly well. And to your point, Darren, when Chandler Stevenson is not in the lineup, Mark Stone, Max Pacioretty, they are not as good as they are when they have Chandler Stevenson as their center. Pacioretty is having the best year of his career, and so is Stone. Yeah, and and you know what? You got to look at the guy that's 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 down the middle, and you know, in in a different circumstance or with different players, maybe that's not really the case. But with Max Pacioretty and Mark Stone, Chandler Stevenson seems to be the perfect complement for those two guys. What else did we get out of last night and that performance against the LA Kings? We'll tell you. Plus, rating the game and that four-two win over the LA Kings. It's the VGK Insider Show on Fox Sports Las Vegas. We're back to the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show on Fox Sports Las Vegas, 98.9 FM and 1340 AM. Oh, we have a lot of giveaways today. Uh, Stick with us over the next uh, hour and a half as we talk you through the Vegas Golden Knights and the National Hockey League post-trade deadline. Sprint is on towards the Stanley Cup playoffs, and we are getting closer and closer. And the Golden Knights, four points back of the Colorado Avalanche for first place, won three in a row, and have done everything they've uh, been asked to do uh, since uh, just changing things up a little bit. And they're scoring some goals, uh, they're making some stops, and they're getting some great goaltending. 
during this three-game run. So uh, let's uh, see how fast uh, and far this can go as they wrap up the two-game set uh, and the season series against the Los Angeles Kings uh, tomorrow night at the Staples Center in downtown L.A. It's 5-2, and two, the head-to-head record against the Los Angeles Kings on the year. Darren Millard along with Ryan Wallace. Uh, we have some news uh, to talk about when it comes to the roster and Ryan Reeves, but we also have our rankings uh, from last night's game. So let's uh, let's go there. Uh, I'm, I'm going Bob Ross right out of the gate, uh, given the distractions that, that uh, were available to the team. Trade deadline day, an acquisition of a player, and you've got uh, the early deficit, but banished a battle back and some saves from Robin Leonard, some great play uh, from from the blue line. Again, Alex Petrangelo is everywhere in the offensive zone. He had some real chemistry with Alex Tuck last night, too, uh, the both of them uh, yeah. setting each other up. But uh, Tuck was great last night, and he broke out of his slump. But he was already going great before he scored. You could see that coming. Uh, Nick Waugh with a move that was beautiful and faked everybody watching the game, never mind uh, uh, Cal Peterson, and uh, then the big boys step up. So I thought it was, uh, it was, uh, it was a great game, big goals, big win uh, on trade deadline day and the acquisition of, uh, I'm going to throw Matthias uh, Janmark in there as well as, as part of that, uh, that great day in, in bolstering their, their bottom six. Uh, uh, a wonderful day for the coach, the manager, and the team. Go ahead, Chapman. I'm curious to see where you go with this one. Well, they fell behind two to nothing, and it wasn't until <laughs> maybe the third period where you felt comfortable feeling like they were going to win the game. They had 21 shots in the second I, period. I, 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 you, you, I disagree with that. You you were down two nothing. Guess what? The LA Kings had distractions too. They moved players as well, so both teams distracted. I can't give it to Bob Ross when you fall down 2 nothing to the L.A. Kings. I'm sorry. It took them a while to figure Cal Peterson out. Finally, it seems like they figured it out. The big boys, as you mentioned, stepped up. Right, They got goals from everybody that they needed to, to kind of break out of the slump. I'm going to go wine and paint. All right, so four out of five. Dude, you did a lot of knocking the game. Well, I mean, four I'm not, not, not going. I'm not going to give it an ink blot. I mean, they they won the game, and and they were, you know, the third period. I felt they were. You they hammered were, on that game for a four out of five. You just tackled no, that I, game. No, I was just saying why I can't yeah. give it a Bob Ross. Wow, wow. Okay, um, guilty conscience so, right yeah. there. <laughs> yeah, he's like, oh man. They're they're disagreeing with me about when they got back in the game. Maybe I'll just uh, soften my stance a little bit. Like, the way that you went after it, Chris, I thought you were going finger painter below. No, 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 no. I mean, look, if they they had lost the game, totally different story. They came back and won. Thanks, Sherlock. Yeah, but but they... That's how that I, there, usually there, goes. There's one area where, where I felt like they were really, really, where I would give them like a unit, a Bob Ross, and I would uh-huh. say the penalty kill gets uh-huh. a Bob Ross. Okay. We, we don't do it that way. But, no, uh, I know. I know. Go ahead there, Ryan Wallace. All right. So this is this is a Bob Ross. In, this is why he should go last, of, by the way. We should always I, I know, put him last. I know. Uh, it's a Bob Ross in, in that Bob Ross could show up to a painting, right? Like he could show up to creating an, an art piece. And maybe he's a little bit distracted. Maybe there's a squirrel running around the studio that he is, is you know, just kind of taken aback by. And then all of a sudden, he just kicks it into gear, right? Like he just finds his focus in his painting and turns out 
a beautiful piece of artwork. And last night for the Golden Knights, when you look at the fact that they were able to erase a two-goal deficit in the second period, throw 21 shots on goal, really control the game for 40 minutes, and I know you're going to say, well, they only got back in the game in the last five minutes of the second period. That's not the case. They controlled the entire second period. They controlled the entire third period. For my money, from a game control standpoint, the Golden Knights really did were not far off from where they were uh, on Sunday against the Arizona Coyotes. And then you've got your talent shining through. You are a better hockey team than the LA Kings, especially when Mark Stone does Mark Stone things. Max Pacioretty is able to find his shot on the power play. And Alex Tuck, all game long, was a man possessed. That's a Bob Ross because... Quite frankly, the talent showed up for the Golden Knights, and it wasn't even close once they did. And they played with 11 and 7, or did they play with 12 and 6? It, well, they it, played it, with 12 it changed. and 6. It changed uh, halfway through the game. <laughs> <laughs> for, for a while, uh, Coughlin was, was the winger on the fourth yeah. line, and then he played some shifts uh, on, on the back end, his, his normal position on, on the blue line. In, in the third period, so uh, that that was unique in itself. Was was somebody bouncing back and forth between forward and and defense? I've seen forwards play up front before. That's nothing new. It's it's unique in a in a one off. John Merrill did it last year and he scored. <laughs> yep. But but it's really rare that that somebody would play both the defensive position and uh, forward in the same game. That was cool. Well, it shows off a little bit of that range for Dylan yeah. Coglin, right? Like you can you can put him in situations where you trust him to get pucks in deep and and not really do too much in terms of being a forward. And you can also utilize him in certain situations on the back end if if you're looking for a little something. So I, I thought it was a, a a nice spot for Dylan Coglin to just kind of get in and do something a little bit different, a little bit fun. But I also think that that speaks to the Golden Knights and that game last night. It wasn't an ideal situation. There was the trade deadline. There was a lot of different things going on, but you also had to you were you were in a situation because of injury and again because of the salary cap where you had to go with an unconventional lineup and the Golden Knights that did not phase them. Thomas Yurko picked up a nice assist on on the goal that kind of got them going scoring yeah. wise yeah. on on Nick Waugh's goal. Took a big hit. And bounce that puck off. So number 13 for the Vegas Golden Knights, Thomas Yurko uh, made a play. So a, a couple of players trying to carve their way into the lineup on a full-time basis. Yurko played a second game. And Coglin, normally a defenseman, playing out of position last night, uh, contributed to the victory on an evening when Keegan Kolasar did not make the trip and, uh, and was not in the lineup after injuring his hip is what uh, Pete DeBoer said after the game on Sunday. And now today we learn, uh, due to uh, the, the reporting from, from Cap Friendly, that mm. uh, Ryan Reeves has been placed on long-term injury reserve for the, uh, for the Golden Knights. And that means that uh, he's out uh, at least nine games, uh, I believe is, the, is the, the, the 
term that uh, that you have to miss or or 24 days uh, so it's something a little more serious so when when you are placed on on long-term injury reserve uh, Braden McNabb was on that uh, on that status or earlier this year so they'll have to what the, there's four weeks left in the season almost go uh, without Ryan Reeves for for this stretch drive and uh, and maybe Yanmark acquisition is even more important now uh, on, on the on the uh, arrival of of that news that that Reeves is out. Um, interesting because we were all worried on Sunday about a suspension yes. uh, after the hit on on Jordan Gross of the Arizona Coyotes. No suspension ever came from that. Uh, player safety uh, deemed it uh, a legal check while it was a violent check and uh, and gross was was injured on the play with a lower body injury uh, it uh, it did not uh, lead to a suspension and i don't think we ever got to that yesterday yeah it, we we i don't think we did either and you're right it was not a a suspendable hit it, ryan reeves did not get a suspension for that hit uh, but now you're you're looking at a situation where the Golden Knights are, are getting a player, bringing a player in, and Matthias Janmark, and uh, not necessarily sure on the timetable for return for Keegan Colasar, but there's opportunity right now to, to and, and it's forced upon the Golden Knights with Reeves out on long-term injured reserve, but you have an opportunity to kind of play around with your bottom six. Obviously, you're, you're, you're looking at uh, at least to start Yanmark with Nosik and Tuck as your third line. But the way Nick was playing right now down the middle on the fourth line, I think that he's found something in his game. Will Carrier, you know exactly what you're going to do. So it's it's going to be interesting to see how Pete DeBoer utilizes that final spot there on the fourth line and what combinations you can come up with. How about the last night? The, the third line was two-thirds of the meat grinders in yes. Nosik and yeah. Will Carrier along with Alex Tuck. And they ended up having having a great game, uh, and and then the the fourth line was was Coglin along with with Nick Watt, and uh, and they 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 found uh, some 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 good rhythm as well. But uh, but I just thought that was uh, that was interesting that that both Nosek and Carrier uh, played up while Yurko uh, and and uh, Watt. Uh, were, were and Coglin were on the fourth line, so everybody was uh, was kind of a little bit uh, out of position, just not not necessarily left wing, right wing, center, but uh, in the, in their normal slotting of, of the the bottom six. But uh, but Nick Wah, that does he not look different than than three weeks ago? Uh, and I don't know whether it was the the time that uh, that he and Nosik uh, have both spent up when when Chandler Stevenson was out. And mm-hmm. it's interesting. Neither one of them really produced when right. they were in that spot. I thought they, they both had stretches where they were good and 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 yeah. had good shifts, but neither one of them produced. But since then, like Nosek's been on a real heater, and and Nick Waugh, that's points in five of six. So something's yep. clicked in there too. You know, I, I think that it's one of those situations where you get that opportunity to play in that role. If you're Nick Waugh, you get to play with Max Pacioretty and Mark Stone. And you start making plays with those players. And I think even though you don't score, even though you don't find production, there's some confidence that you can bring out of those games. When you can make plays that are on that level, you start to trust your game, I think, just a little bit more. And for me right now, when I look at Nick Waugh, I think it's a player that isn't deferring to others. And it's a player that's trusting in his own abilities and in his game. Well, three weeks ago, 
on that two-on-one that he had with Alec Martinez. It was funny because during the the uh, post game or the uh, the interview uh, in the second intermission, I believe it was second intermission that he was uh, with us. Uh, he talked about Dylan Coglin being with him. It wasn't even Dylan Coglin. Dylan Coglin was the third guy, uh, but uh, <laughs> but uh, on, on the two-on-one, it was uh, Alec Martinez who was who was right yeah. beside him as the option. I, I wonder three weeks ago. Does he force a pass there and try and get it to uh, to the teammate? Does he does he just fire the puck and and hope that he that he gets one uh, by the goaltender? But in in all likelihood, from that angle with the with the aggressiveness of Cal Peterson, and it hits him right in the logo. Uh, does he do one of those two things, or does he because he's found some some confidence in his game recently? Does he make the move? to the short Deeks short side and he's already coming in at an angle Deeks to the weaker uh, uh, the shallower angle and scores that was one heck of a move uh, by, by Nick Waugh and uh, the goal was great but it was it was the patience and what he did with the opportunity in making a big time play that impressed me more yeah 100% and again I just you know you you get that goal from Nick Waugh in that series against the St. Louis Blues, and you know he was a player that was just looking for one to go right, and and it it comes in a loss. It's it's one of those situations where you get that one to go, and I think it just kind of builds on the confidence that you had been building over the course of of the previous three four games. And you know for for me right now, if if Nick Waugh is kind of feeling his game and he can settle into a productive role where he is right now in the lineup, then that's what the Golden Knights are are hoping for, looking for. And he's the type of player that you and I have talked about many times. Uh, He does a lot of things on the ice that remind us a little bit of Mark Stone. And I think his offensive instincts are are really good. And and if you've got Nick Waugh feeling confident about his game and he's playing that that far down your lineup, that makes you an even deeper team. But he wasn't even getting chances a month ago, three weeks ago. He's getting now. There wasn't anything that was happening in his game a month ago. And uh, I'm sure he was frustrated. I'm sure his, his line mates were frustrated. And it wasn't just him. It was, uh, it was a lot of, uh, of, of who he was playing with uh, wasn't going extremely right. But when you compared him to Kolasar, who was getting left, right, center, <laughs> chances, wide open nets all over the place. Maybe he wasn't putting them in, or he wasn't putting yeah. them in. But, uh, yeah. but, but we were talking about, oh, they've got to start falling. Look at all these chances. That was nothing. Uh, part of the conversation. There was no conversation about Nick Waugh. He just just wasn't present. And in three weeks, he's found that that rhythm again that made you a year ago say, okay, he's a third liner. Mm-hmm. Could he ever be a second line player? Produce enough to be the second line center on a team. And he's showing more forms. Now, uh, he's got to do it a lot more, and he's got to uh, find uh, find some consistency with that and not just have a four- or five-game hot streak. But I, I think the confidence playing middle, uh, the the confidence in his coaches, and you hear Pete DeBoer talk about him, has fueled that. And then a couple of pucks going in and, and making plays was mm-hmm. big. Uh, so uh, really impressed. We haven't even got to Alex Tuck yet, and I want to know later on, uh, what was the nicest goal of the night? In, in, in the opinion of Ryan Wallace and Chris Chapman, I'm really legitimately curious. Not the t- most timely goal or anything like that. I just want to know, yeah. what was the nicest goal of, of the night? It's the VGK Insider Show. Uh, before we go, uh, let's, uh, let's, let's make somebody happy, Ryan. 
Oh, okay, we can do that. Uh, so we have two tickets right now to see Kane Brown Blessed and Free Tour with special guests Chase Rice and Restless Road. That'll be Friday, February 4th, 2022 at T-Mobile Arena. Two tickets to Kane Brown's Blessed and Free Tour caller number Nine seven zero two eight seven six thirteen forty is the number. This is Fox Sports Las Vegas. It's time for the good news of the day on the VGK Insider Show. The good news of the day is brought to you by Silver State Schools Credit Union, prioritizing people over profit. And it's not new news, but it is good news. Max Pacioretty scored his 300th career NHL goal last night for the Vegas Golden Knights in a 4-2 win over the LA Kings. Pacioretty becomes the sixth active U.S.-born player to reach the 300 goal mark and required the third fewest games to do it behind Zach Parisi and Patrick Kane. So we, we talk about Pacioretty and, and how he is on a list of very elite company in terms of U.S.-born players to record 300 career NHL goals. We talk about the shot. We talk about just how much of a pro Max Pacioretty is. Great accomplishment fantastic fantastic stuff for max patch he'll be in olympian again next year if the nhl decides to go to uh, beijing uh, it'll be also interesting because he'll probably be against his line mate the guy on the other side in, in, in mark stone but uh yeah he's uh he's putting together a, a nice little career and plays a few more years. You get up into the uh, the 400 goal club uh, with his type of consistency and uh, and the way that he can rack them up. Uh, you're like you're 400 plus. You're you're talking about uh, some pretty elite numbers, and your place uh, in in the game. U.S. Hockey Hall of Famer. I think it's a slam dunk. Uh, yeah. Hockey Hall of Famer, uh, he wins a championship and and can do a couple of things uh, on special with the goal scoring. Uh, works his way into that conversation. It's uh, it's it's now to that stage. Yeah, one hundred percent. I you know I I look at Max Pacioretty and just how consistent he's been throughout his career. When you look at the fact that this is his eighth his eighth twenty goal season in the NHL, this is a player that that he is he is incredibly consistent when it comes to goal scoring and over the course of the last two seasons he's just seemed to get better and Mm -hmm. better and better and you know what for the Golden Knights with the Golden Knights if you continue to get that type of production from Max Pacioretty I don't think 400 goals is is really the the limit you're going to put on it this is a player that has just such a great shot I, I love watching him play I think he's faster than he's ever been too uh, yeah, I think you, so. I know Chandler Stevenson helps you out with moving the puck and backing off the defenseman and giving you uh, a little more gap uh, between what the, the blue line can do, uh, gaining the offensive zone. But I, I truly believe on the eye test that he's mm-hmm. faster than he's ever been getting up and down the ice. Yeah, I don't think you're wrong there. Max Pacioretty, 300 career NHL goals. That was the good news of the day, brought to you by Silver State Schools Credit Union, prioritizing people over profit.